0: Well good morning again. Good morning. It's the final day of the year. Uh, a huge congratulations by the way you've made it. Right? I, I know for many this year has been a year of new and exciting things whilst for others it's been a year of difficulty and hardship. For others still it's not really been anything to write home about. Um, and has not really been one which will go down in the history books of the rest of your lives. Yet wherever you find yourself this morning, might I be the first to congratulate you. Well done. You made it through. And the world's a better place because you have. As we spend time reflecting over the past year, today is the day that social media feeds will be full of highlight reels and written reflections of the year that has gone, as well as hopes for the future and hopes for the year that is to come. But I wonder this morning if, as the people of God, we might stop and take stock and lean for a few moments into what it is that the Spirit of God might be saying to us as the people of God here in this place. Before we jump in with the New Year's resolutions, and aren't you glad that I didn't start with, does anybody have any New Year's resolutions? I've learned over the past few years, don't ask that because apparently people don't make them anymore or they're maybe just not willing to share. But before we jump to New Year's resolutions, before we run on ahead and leave 2023 behind, what is it? that the spirit of God is saying to the church of the Nazarene here in East Belfast what is God saying to you and to me what is God saying to us as his people when I was on annual leave in November a couple of things happened one my dad went sure you only work one day a week my my father-in-law rather went sure you only work one day a week what do you want what do you want a week off for and the other one, thanks for the laughter, whoever that was, right? Um, and the other thing was, what, what happened was Chloe and I had the privilege of simply going to church. Of simply going to church. No responsibility, no expectation. Just being able to rock up and sit in a pew and receive from the Lord and be encouraged and uplifted without having to make sure this, this and this were working and that this person and that person weren't um, allowing that argument to fester any longer than it should have or gain a foothold. It was actually something that was quite freeing and an experience that was quite freeing. And as the service went on, I remember getting a very clear prompting from the Lord that the, message, that the passage which Graham read for us earlier, Revelation 2, 1 to 7, was to form the basis of the last sermon of the year here at McGeehan. It wasn't preached on that day, I don't even think it was alluded to that day, but I remember sitting and just having a real prompting in my spirit that this was the passage we were to look at. This was and is indeed what the Spirit was and is saying to the church here at McGeehan as we enter into a new year together. You see, the church in Ephesus to whom this letter was written had been planted by the Apostle Paul during one of his missionary journeys. I always felt sorry for Timothy who followed after him. Could you imagine having to follow somebody like Paul? Right? But that's that's what Timothy found himself. You see, Paul during one of his missionary journeys founded the church in Ephesus. He loved the church. And the church loved him. In fact, he loved it and they loved him so much that he was their pastor, not once, but twice. He was so good, they had him back again. See, Ephesus was located on the coast near the island of Patmos. Ephesus was the chief city in the region of Asia Minor. And under Paul's ministry, Ephesus had become the Christian center of the late first century church and had under Paul's preaching ministry experienced the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God as people from the surrounding community experienced life transformation as the church reached out to their neighbors in deep and meaningful ways, extending the love of Christ to them, which my daughter finds hilarious. (laughs) Get it all out, dear. <laughs> she really is. <laughs> you see, this was, a, this was a love without pretense. This was a love without requirement, and it was a love with, which did not seek anything in return. It was a love which was used by the Spirit to draw in and to transform people's lives as the Word was preached and lived out before the community's very Eyes. And Jesus sends them a very clear and direct message. Paul is gone by this stage. As we alluded to, Timothy followed him. And Timothy, who had been left to succeed him, he had either left or was well into the third decade of his ministry there at Ephesus. And it starts with a great piece of encouragement from Jesus. He says, I know your deeds, your hard work, and your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not, and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardships for my name and have not grown weary. See, the church in Ephesi, Ephesus rather, is recognized not only by those around them, But by Jesus Himself as a church who are devoted to God. That's quite the endorsement, isn't it? That's quite the endorsement that God Himself says, You're really devoted to me. Good job. I see it. I know it to be true. Good job. See, God Himself notes their devotion. And devotion itself indeed was one of the core and is one of the core foundations of Christianity, of following after Jesus. After all, when asked what the greatest commandment was, was it not God himself, Jesus, who replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. This was a church that did just that. And it's not just that others around them saw it to be true, but God himself noticed. And he not only noticed it, but he commended them for it. You see, this was a church who knew the difference between right and wrong, who knew the difference between loyalty and disloyalty, who knew the difference between truth and error. This was a church who held their leadership to a high level of accountability as they pursued God and his heart together. They were a church who determined to be true and were found to be true as they defended the faith. Not allowing false teachings to penetrate church life, but holding true to that which had been passed down to them. The truth of the scriptures and teachings of Christ and of the apostles. And even as persecution had come, they still stood firm. I wonder this morning, could the same be said for the church here at McGeehan? Are we a people who know the difference between right and wrong? Who know the difference between loyalty and disloyalty? Who know the difference between truth and error? Do we hold each other to a high standard of holiness as we pursue God and his heart together? Or are we passive, sailing from one Sunday service to another, hoping that the time that we spend together for an hour or so on a Sunday will get us through? Are we determined to be true to the scriptures, putting the commands of scripture above personal preference in order that others might be welcomed become part of, and experience the transformation that only Jesus Christ can bring. If gathering like this came at a tangible cost, not a monetary cost, but the cost of scorn and even persecution, would we still gather together anyways? Yet the devotion, whilst not going unnoticed we are told was not enough you see in their devotion they had become the very thing which Jesus himself had constantly hit back at the church in Ephesus tell you what we're going to stop get it all out have a wee giggle right have a wee giggle Sophia Robinson I'm telling you right now behave yourself all right And I'm going to start that point again, just so that we get it, because this is important stuff, I believe. Their devotion was not enough. You see, in their devotion, they had become the very thing which Jesus himself had constantly hit back against. You see, the church in Ephesus were practicing a form of holiness which lacked love. They were saying all of the right things. They were defending the truth of the word. But somewhere along the way, they had cast aside and forgotten why they were doing it in the first place. Jesus says to them, after this great endorsement, he says, yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first from the elation of being commended by Jesus, you can imagine the stomach falling out of them as they heard this. Yet this I hold against you. You have forsaken the love that you had at first. Dr. Graham Greenley has written not one but two histories of the Church of the Nazarene in East Belfast, a 50th anniversary edition and a 70th anniversary edition. He doesn't know this yet but he's going to write a 75th anniversary. Uh, thanks very much, it's been said publicly now um, as well. But as you as you read those, particularly the earlier pages, you will see that the very foundations of the church here which now is now here at McGeehan, can be traced back to a tent mission on Cuba Street in 1951, where the deepest desires of the people that gathered was that others would come into a saving relationship with Jesus Christ and that they would experience the transformation of heart, life, and mind. Jesus was the reason for everything that they did. Jesus was the reason they gave sacrificially, not only of their finances, but of their time and of their giftings. For they realized that every good and perfect gift came from God anyway. So to give it back to him was not a huge sacrifice. See, everything which was done was saturated in prayer. They did not take their pre-packaged strategies and plans and then ask God to bless them. But rather, they sought his face, allowing him to guide and to mould and to set the agenda. It was all about Jesus. All about what he wanted for the people of East Belfast. And being faithful to those promptings, a young band of mostly young people in their late teens and twenties formed the Church of the Nazarene, any East Belfast, which during its 72-year existence has touched and impacted many lives for the kingdom of God, not only here in East Belfast, but indeed throughout the world as people have gone from this place and spread their wings and began to tell others of the goodness of God. And you see, the call today is the same as it was back then. The call of God to this church is to share the hope and love of Jesus with East Belfast. Yet this is impossible if we ourselves are not plugged into the hope and love ourselves. The Spirit says to the church in Ephesus and indeed to the church here at McGeon return to your first love. Do the things that you did at first seek God diligently pursue him above all else as we enter into 2024 together may the pursuit of him and his love be our number one priority might our collective new year's resolution as the people of God be to truly love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind and all of our strength. Not forsaking loving our neighbour as ourselves, but rather allowing that love for our community to flow from a love relationship with love himself. You see, it is no secret that the desire is that our church would grow in number and community reach. After all, the church is the only organization in the world that exists for those who are not yet members of it. However, if that is ever going to happen, it can only happen in a meaningful and lasting way as a result of being plugged into the source, into love himself. It can only happen through a deep love relationship with Jesus. The call to the church in Ephesus was to return to its first love. And the call for the church here at McGeehan is to do the same. As Karen read for us earlier, For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Do we treasure a relationship with Jesus? Do we treasure a relationship with love? himself for where your treasure is there your heart will be also so as we enter 2024 as a people might we begin once again to treasure our relationship with christ and from that relationship may the fruit of the spirit Pour out of our lives. That is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self control. As we serve this community around us in Jesus' name, in our homes, in our workplaces, in our schools and universities, in our cul de sacs, if we're fancy, in our streets as the flame of love relationship with creator God flows from our lives and by his spirit brings transformation to this community in which he has placed us. And there's a great and important hope for us this morning and it's this, that that which was lost can be recovered And that this recovery has far-reaching and long-lasting implications. We read in verses 5 and 7. Consider how far you have fallen. Repent and do the things you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. A new year presents with it new possibilities and new opportunities opportunities to reflect on what has been and what has gone, but also on what could be moving forward. And Jesus calls the church in Ephesus to remember, to return and to repent this call to repentance this call to repentance is not the lord's punishment it's his solution it's the lord's solution not his punishment you see identifying and turning away from compromise of commitment means returning to the works which were at first Returning to when the flame burned brightly in our hearts. Returning to when there was nothing but Jesus in our line of sight. Returning to doing all things for the glory of God. With no pretense, with no agenda other than that glory would be brought to his name. To a time before personal preferences crept in. Before conversations were had about what color the carpet should be, what style of worship songs should be played and sung, before showing up simply meant showing up rather than actually getting involved. Returning to when only Jesus and his kingdom mattered and when all things were done for God's glory alone. It's important that a hatred of sin, for those things which separate us from God, it's important that that does not come at the cost of love. We must not be so against some things that we forget who we are for. And we must not be so staunch that we forget to extend the love of God to others. We must not forget that love conquers all things and that love himself, Jesus Christ, is the prize. It's important for us to hold convictions. That's not, I'm not saying that that's not important because it is important to hold convictions. But they must be held in tandem with love and grace and be guided and prompted by love himself. Lost things can be recovered and that return will be far reaching and long lasting and the consequences and possibilities will be meaningful so church what is the spirit saying to us today I believe he's saying return to your first love with heart and with soul that our lives may be enriched by love himself and that our community would be transformed by the story that changes everything forever whoever has ears let them hear what the spirit says to the churches let's pray together